<laughs> he said your girlfriend's death was gonna be quick and painless, but now that you've really pissed me off, I'm gonna finish it nice and slow. <laughs> and he did. It was it was horrible. Mm. But at least he did it with a smile. I, st- I, I still see it when I when I close my eyes. And keep them open. Ah! Welcome <laughs> to Big Damn Cast. I am the 1977 Olympic Polynesian front-crawling swimmers team. And I am his wife! <laughs> and you're here to listen to this. Mmm, jingly ice cubes. Mmm, sea of liquid. Beverages. Beverages! But also words. We're here to talk about some of the nerdy news, geeky gossip, and all the shit that's fit to make you realise that we're all going to die one day, so let's waste time talking about it. We've got pictures from Deadpool. We've got another character reveal this week. Ryan yes. Reynolds is dishing out the delicious he visuals. Is. Uh, we've also got some news on Netflix's latest acquisition, which is an odd choice, considering they're apparently like $6 billion in debt. It's me! oh god Um, we're also looking into uh, some revelations from Camp Marvel uh, from one of their ex-best writers Um, not that that he's an ex-good writer Camp Marvel he's not a writer is that what they call themselves on Pride Weekend yeah yeah, not all all year round actually (laughs) Um, Uh, speaking of Camp Marvel we're also going to chat about uh, a certain music video that dropped this week I think we'll talk about that in a minute just because Fresh in the brain. And uh, also, Christ, what else? Some other things. Oh, yeah! The Transformers are coming back to cinemas in a way we thought we'd won. I don't know what I want anymore. Plus your emails. Uh, well, do you know what you do want? What do I want? You definitely want to talk about what you just watched. Um, Tell the good people what you just laid your eyes on this week. <laughs> Zadu Hasselfrau? <laughs> so the Guardian's Inferno. Official music videos released online. Uh, to, I guess, gear up uh, publicity for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It certainly got me geared up. Yeah, hey. you know what I mean? <laughs> Alright, inappropriate question. Yeah. Which cast member in garish 70s attire gave you the biggest boner? I want the winner and the runner-up. Go. Chris Pratt in the silver robot outfit. He was. He gave you the biggest stonking throbber. Well, also, you know, <laughs> now that he's sadly separated from Anafaris, I can make my move. Yeah, oh god, when the internet do all that stuff, they're like, oh god, like, they're in part, love is dead, like, it can't happen for anyone, I'm just like, why are you putting them up on some golden pedestal? They're like, a pretty good, they were a pretty good couple. They were a pretty good couple, and apparently, see, apparently it's amicable, so hopefully they'll still be pretty cool parents to their diddums. Well, that's, that's the that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, but still, like, things. just think of it this way, uh, they're on the market, everybody can be inappropriately lecherous about them now. That's permission. Were, were, I give you permission. Were, were people not? You can be filthy. Were, were people not? You doing can that? say dirty things. On a serious note, though, if Karen Gillan looks back over her shoulder at you and winks, things are going to happen. Mm, oh, okay. So that's the runner-up. Things, things, <laughs> that's things, the runner-up. Things, things are going to happen that, unless you're older, you might not understand. <laughs> but it's perfectly natural. And um, you shouldn't be afraid of those feelings. It, everyone feels them. My... Well, there's my runner-up. By top of the list is some kind of weird toss-up between Zoe Saldana with 70s hair, Pom Clemente, reminding us just by visually existing of how absolutely gorgeous she is, even when she's not playing a weird space, like, bug lady she with empathetic powers, uh, and um, Michael, <laughs> Michael Rooker, 
<laughs> in that weird mop wig and odd beard in the middle of his chin. That soul patch is bigger than a human chin. I'm, That's kind of hot. Especially I'm when sorry. he's a lion for about two seconds. Dave Batista <laughs> in feathery sleeves with an oiled up chest and giant wings playing a French horn <laughs> might be one of the sexiest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I didn't know that was a fetish that I had. I but didn't now, know that, I didn't know this option was on the table. I didn't know that existed. But now that I've seen the table, I didn't know that that was a thing <laughs> that you could have. And now that I know it is, it's all I want. It's all anyone's ever wanted. They just didn't know it. That's the beauty. Just, uh, I need to watch it again. What a really after everything you just described, I'm suspicious as to your motives. Why? Um, but yeah, just gonna sit in the corner and play with myself. Oh, Karen, don't wink. Um, so yeah. Fucking hilarious. And a great way to like remind everybody that the digital version uh, is out as of August 8th from the States, and the Blu-ray will be coming to stores, including a new 4K Ultra uh, ultra release. Which no one can uh, watch. Which no one can watch unless you're super rich. Um, it's coming out on the 22nd of August. I'll be buying the living shit out of the 3D Blu-ray. I've been getting them all in 3D since Thor The Dark World. And I'm loving that for two reasons. One, a lot of them look pretty great in 3D. I don't have a 3D television. Well, come on over, Sonny Jim. I've got two pairs of specs. Ugh. Ugh. Um, and also, for ages, the spines of the 3D Blu-rays actually matched. Not anymore, though. No, Civil War, for some reason, put the Disney logo like further down for some weird reason, and then Doctor Strange had a completely different coloured spine. Oh. It's like, great! Oh, you think that's... You think that's tough. <laughs> you should have been on the internet... When to entertain, change the spine design for, for uh, the classic Doctor, Doctor Who DVD. Oh my god. They've got god. reversible covers. You would have thought, you would have thought someone had fucking murdered all their living remaining Doctors. You'd have thought that someone had strung up the entrails of the companions on the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral. No, all they did was they put a logo on there. All they did was put the two entertain logo in the very bottom now, of it. Now, That's, to be fair, like, all my spines don't match. To be fair to two entertain, they did immediately start putting a reversible image on the back of the cover for people who were that pedantic and complaining about it. But then, after a while, they started putting the certification on some of them on both the reverse and the thingy. So then people were like, "Well, at least they don't have to have the two entertain logo." Oh shit! Now some of them have got a giant PG in the middle of the spine. What the hell is this? Um, grow up, guys. People used to have to imagine what the episodes looked like by reading target novelizations. It's cool. Let's touch And up. then they change oh, the God. spines <laughs> of those so they don't match up. Let's and the numbers <laughs> mean that they're out of order. Let's touch on Doctor Who again. Not like that. But, yeah. Um, Jodie Whittaker's done some interviews this week. Oh, talking I about can't uh, wait drama, to trust me. Out. And she's she's obviously been faced with the inevitable... Well, we've got you. Can we ask about Doctor Who questions? And she's answered them with nothing but enthusiasm, excitement, and all the adorable heavy set Yorkshireness of a Yorkshire woman jo- with the giddy streak. I hope she keeps that voice. Me too. Because when oh I my think Joe Whittaker, I think of her in Black Mirror where she's posh. Yeah, oh god, yeah. So like, well, even even in Attack the Block, she's not. Um, she's sort she's, of yeah. She's Londoner. Oh, so. she's like um, what's it called? Oh god, Estuary. She's posh yeah. London. Um, so yeah, it, I hope she keeps her own voice. She's adorable. She's like a dark crystal character, but not a creepy one. But it means it gives her, it gives her a sort of. <laughs> she's got a very elfish face. 
it gives her a sort of ex- of excite that is excitement. Mm. If you see that in her characterization, it's it goes back to the sort of the glee of the character. So mm. I can see where they're coming from with it a bit more now. If they get if they go in that direction, yeah, they don't have to. No, but I can see I can see um, uh, uh, what, what how that could be good as a characterization. Yeah, Although you, you know it's good casting, so whatever they do, they're probably going to do it pretty well. We'll see. Um, but yeah. That's got me excited. That I just, I just hope that it is everything she wants it to be because she seems so excited to start and, and like very audibly giddy and stuff. So and in years to come, I'll be interested to see if it turn, if Peter Capaldi later on turns around and says it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah, well, because well, yeah. Yeah. well, he's already he's already graduating through his doctorness. In a convention last week, he apparently was asked like, "Would you do Big Finish?" And he said, "Oh God, the moment I'm allowed to, yeah, absolutely," which. A lot of people were saying, does that mean there's like a, a window or something in the contract where it's like you can't do any Doctor related thing for a year or whatever? Maybe. Um, or is that just him saying like, hello, yes, Nicholas Briggs, call me up because li- I would like to earn money by getting a taxi to a studio not that far away to record a bunch of audios. Please give me a ring. Um, I can do four yeah. stories in a day. I could knock, I could knock them out. Um, speaking of knocking one out, have you seen that Guardians Inferno video? <laughs> <laughs> the wedge Batista's... Sean Gunn shakes his hips. Batista's chest. <laughs> it's old, Stephen. It's uh, like I'm, not, a... I'm not Stephen. I'm Nicholas. It's like oh, a... yes, well, <laughs> it's like a target. <laughs> speaking of targets. Um... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is meeting his quota for just chucking things out like Father Christmas on a spree of Christmas cheer. I thought he went down the chimney. I don't think it was. Is he like? <sighs> is it like Paperboy? Maybe like the, the game Paperboy, where you just oh. ride down the street and just chuck things. Oh, I thought you meant not the, to get hit the by the Disney short Paper Man. No, the guys. Right, I'm talking about the, the classic arcade game Paperboy, not Pepsi Man, not Pepsi Man, definitely not Pepsi Man. No, Vector Man, maybe. Well, this'll vect your a terrible game. man. Because Ryan Reynolds slapped cable around our faces this week. After last week going, hey, here's Domino. And us all going, oh my god, with the, was it Zazy Beats? Zazy Beats, oh, fucking great. Zazy Beats! Good name! Josh Brolin got to show off why he's been pumping them guns. Sons. Josh Brolin is a good name, but it's not as good as Zazy Beats. It's not as good as Zazy Beats, but Josh Brolin looks like a pretty fucking good cable. Oh my, does he? Like, good lord. He just... Oh, in terms of translating that character, because that character to me, I've never, I've never like been a big cable guy. I've been, a big pick, I've been the uh, cable guy. <laughs> you have been the cable guy. You've been <laughs> cult Ben Stiller movie, the cable guy, but, starring Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, I've been Larry the cable guy. Oh no, <laughs> no. Um, but, <laughs> not even Larry the cable guy wants to be Larry the cable guy. Don't be. Why be Larry the cable guy when you can be Cedric the Entertainer? Um, <laughs> Why be Cedric the Entertainer when you can be Carrot Top? Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I like what I'm learning about you. <laughs> Why your... be Carrot Top when you can be Jeff Dunham? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Moving away from horrible things and back to semi-horrible things. Uh, Rob Liefeld tended to draw Cable a lot in the 90s and, and he was part of that 90s like I hear Rob extreme boom he's, of... not, he's not necessarily happy about this design which is weird because he was over the top over the moon with uh, Domino's design the week prior but I think I know why that is Domino is a sexy lady and Cable 
wasn't shaped like a freaking deflating at the bottom barrage balloon. Uh, instead, he looked like a human man. He's he shaped like a very in shape Josh Brolin. Yeah. As opposed to an upside down bull. Also, pouches. Oh, so many pouches. So Rob Liefeld shouldn't have anything to complain about because, my God, he's getting them pouches. The pouches son. are in there. He's got a massive gun, but he's got a teddy bear. Is that why he doesn't like it? I wouldn't be surprised if that was the reason. He's like, why would Cable have a teddy bear? It's like, fuck off. He, he's a mutant cyborg man. Let me see. Let, let me, him have a teddy bear. Let me see exactly what Rob Liefeld had to say. But what's, uh, I'll, I'll bridge said gap with this bit of information. Even though I'm not big on Cable, Cable and Deadpool shared a book for years. Like, that was how the two characters were still in the eye, in the you know, public eye within Marvel's publications. And it was down to that series and it being a very successful series. So... Even though I'm not particularly huge on Cable's like story and everything, and Cyclops and Jean Grey's son in an alternate timeline, what? Oh, um, oh no, no, oh no, he's the oh. son. Oh god, of Cyclops and Madeline Pryor, who oh. was a clone of oh. Jean Grey, created oh. by Mister Sinister. Oh god, who they, they sent? Oh they, Christ, they sent Nathan Summers oh, off Jesus. into the future to be like oh, saved. Shit biscuits. And then. Oh, while on their claps. honeymoon, oh, dick nipples, Cyclops and Jean Grey, no, were taken. Them, their consciousnesses were taken into the future, no, no, uh, and they, in different bodies, raised, no, um, no, they raised, no, um, no, I don't want this. Cable in the future, no, don't oh no, me. I, I, I misread that. Um, Rob Liefeld's pretty, pretty keen. Yeah, there wasn't any feet in the photograph, so uh, without the feet, <laughs> then everything's cool, baby. Everything's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's trying! He says, uh, Liefeld says, this is great. No one is having a better day than me. Let me assure you. <laughs> what the hell? I've seen what fans give their thumbs up and their thumbs down. Their condemnation and their praise. Josh as Cable, it's been a hundred percent euphoria. Praise. Excitement. And when people said, <laughs> when people asked, do you not think he doesn't have enough guns? Rob said, how many guns can you have in one photo? Come on, man! While secretly crying into his milk, saying, I can draw more guns. I, I want more guns. I can draw more guns. I want all the guns, sons. All the guns, son. Well, at least he's not complaining yet, but when someone asks him to do a fan art drawing and he can't draw the feet, that's when things will get complicated. Yeah, I must have seen a misleading headline that misled me to think he didn't like it. <laughs> that's what I get from doing my research properly. Well, we like it, motherfucker. I like it. diddle di di You like it. diddle di di cable. Oh, God. Well, speaking of cable... That's not really cable. I see where it's, you're going. It's, it's streaming. It's, it's strange. Not, it's not the same. It's a strained segue. It is a bit. Maybe like sort of. <laughs> I can see the plastic marks on it. You know when plastic starts to strain, it turns white. Yeah. Like stretch marks. Yeah. But on plastic, like on a joint. Yeah. That's what that segue was like. Um. Happens on ball and socket joints quite a lot. <clears throat> <laughs> We're in a room full of toys. Uh so. Um, I thought we were in a room full of balls. I thought we were in a room full of boys. So many balls, only one socket. Oh it's god! Smart. Speaking of balls, <laughs> uh, Netflix has acquired a comic book 
publishing company. That's right. Back in the 60s, Warner Brothers acquired DC Comics. Was it that long ago? It was ages back, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were. They were in it for the long haul. Um, Back in the 90s, uh, Toy Biz acquired Marvel, sort of. Got them for a song. And then, and then uh, in 2009, Disney bought Marvel Comics. There hasn't been a similar acquisition since then of an entire comics company being bought by a bigger network. Has it? Until now. Until now. Miller World, the company started, run, and mostly supplying materials of Mark Millar. Um, I wonder. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder where it gets its name from. Uh, I probably do we think that Mark Millar might be something of an egotist yes <laughs> um, what's Obamacare isn't it um, like, <laughs> we want to replace and repeal Obamacare why you don't agree with the Affordable Care Act no we just don't like the name it means that the previous guy from the other side did something people like remember when Mark Millar called his magazine Clint and did the eye oh, lowercase. Yeah. Just so he could be an edgelord and and look, oh, I've put cunt on all of the shelves in this comic shop. Ha 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 ha. Aren't I a funny edgy guy? Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. I've got so much money, but I'm still cold inside. Well, now he's got more money because he sold <laughs> Miller World to Netflix, ladies I'm and gentlemen. I'm being unreadable to Matt Miller. I'm, yeah, sure, he's, he, I'm sure I've hurt his feelings. Uh, I, I don't think you can hurt him. <laughs> I don't think he can be killed. I don't think Matt Miller can be killed. I think you have to hit him with a holy water doused silver bullet under a blue moon um, while sat next to a mystic eunuch who's blue singing a tune, who's singing Blue Moon at the same time. I saw you standing alone. Sorry, continue with the story. I know, I want to carry on with this. I'm enraptured by Mark Miller's money-making schemes. Matt, name some of Miller World's publications that you're aware of that could now be turned into Netflix series or movies. Kick-Ass, no way. No, that's probably tied up with... Kingsman, no way. Oh, that's tied up Uh, as well. Wanted. Yeah, Maybe. now that, now, I wouldn't say no to a Wanted series. There's been rumblings about Wanted being read, read and taking a second shot at Wanted. Eh? Um, eh? Which would defeat the point of their skill set. Uh, Superior? Yeah, oh! Um, mm. Is Superior the one about the uh, the guy with learning difficulties who becomes a superhero? Yeah, like a Captain Marvel situation. That would be, ama- that would be amazing. Um, that would be fucking brilliant if, they, if Netflix were like, we're doing Superior. Because that would Nemesis? be something we've not seen. Now, Nemesis, I'm going to say it. I enjoyed Nemesis for what it was. But you f- we had a chat about this before we recorded. Nemesis. You worded it perfectly. You said it's just very mean. It's like, it's... And, I, I, and I think the, the comics version of Kick-Ass is also that. It's got yeah. a real mean streak. And it doesn't feel like it's trying to say anything. Just being, it feels like it's being nasty for nasty and nasty yeah. for sake. I feel the same about some of David Ayer's work as well. The filmmaker. Yeah, oh god, I feel, um, I'll be honest. I, I feel sabotage. the same about everything of his I've seen. Like, you see, Sabotage was the movie he made with um, mm. oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Sam Worthington. Yeah. Um, it's just a very nasty little film. 
Which is, um, I mean, that's 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 fine, but I know what you mean. It, it's just like sometimes when you when it, sometimes you want your escapism, it just feels egregious to be escapism yeah. and not. Oh, well, this is just reminding me how horrible things actually yeah. kind of are. There's, there is a, there is a scene. Oh, God. <clears throat> there is a moment in Nemesis where well, the basic premise the of Nemesis. Titular... The basic premise of Nemesis. This is uh, for those who don't know. Is essentially it's the story of a cop who's been named as the next victim of a supervillain who's basically what what if Batman was a murderer who just killed police and made a spectacle of it. Like, instead of being, you know, a, a, working in the shadows hero. Um, so that's what the basic if, premise. What if the Joker was Batman, basically? Yeah, that's... Um, I, I'm sure they used that as a as a tagline at some point as well. So... To sort of sell the there is idea. A, there is a moment in Nemesis, which <laughs> is the moment where I'm like, I think I'm done with Mark Miller. <laughs> um, where... He's rubbing his temples right now, by um, the way. That's so, not because he's thinking of an oil-chested Batista in Wings. Some characters, son and uh, son and daughter, get kidnapped. Mm. Nemesis forces the son to impregnate the daughter, mm. and then rigs her womb so it will collapse if a termination is attempted. Mm-hmm. That's an act. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but that's a line of dialogue that someone speaks in that story. Yeah. Now, when I said I enjoy the series <laughs> for what it was, I don't mean. Oh yeah, tell me more about walking, getting people to impregnate. It's just like it's just but, like it's just so. It feels like it's yeah. trying so hard. Well, I looked. To be edgy. I looked at it as basically the horror film version of Batman. Uh, like it's it's a it's an Elseworlds. What if this person was a real piece of work? Because you don't spend any of the like they don't. Here's one thing that I'll, I'll give him credit for. Mm. He never makes any of the horrible characters in his books. He, he, they never, there's never any attempt in the writing or, or the drawing or anything for you to be like, oh, do you know what? I love that villain. Like, I love to hate him. Like, there's no Jokers in this. There's no Green Goblins in this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The villains, you are meant to hate them. Um, and Nemesis, like, if they did that as a film for Netflix, just like a one-off hour and a half... I would totally be fine. I mean, maybe tone it down a bit like has been done with Kick-Ass and Kingsman in their translation to the screen. Like, tone it back. Like, hold it back a little. But as a What If Elseworlds thing, it could be a nice little remedy to anyone who's having superhero fatigue. If they got a, you know, this is what happens when the superhero is a fucking nasty piece of shit who yeah, isn't attempting yeah. to be it. Like, has all the trappings of the hero, has the gadgets, has the lair, has the costume, but is ultimately an, a, you know, the devil incarnate. Like, it could be a nice cure for people who are getting superhero fatigue. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I see, I know what you mean. And, to be fair, it, it's, I mean... It's, it, you have to go in, I guess, knowing what you're in for. I, I kind of checked out on uh, Miller in the wake of in the wake of Nemesis and, and Kick-Ass 2, which I didn't even make it all the way through. Like, um... That's my least favourite of the three. Yeah. Of the three books. Um... And it's just, but then I hear that I hear that that's not counting Hit Girl. I know some people will be pedantic about that. I hear that Superior is brilliant. I've heard really nice things about Jupiter's Legacy. Oh yeah, that was one of them. Um, so and Hook. So it may well be that you know he's he's oh, kind of oh, he's got that. <laughs> not to be confused. He's got that sort of edge lord thing out of his system. Maybe he's just edging it. He's just edging just it. Edging it. Um. So, and you know, K- Kingsman, I've only seen the, the movie, but it, it's a fairly fun idea. Mm. So, I mean, Matt Miller's, there's nothing wrong with Matt Miller's ideas. 
The yeah. only thing Zack Snyder's problem with is his execution, shall we say. Um, Are there any Mark Miller stories that stand out in your head now, like, as ones that you still think, oh, do you know what, I actually quite like that one. Because for me, I, I really like the Marvel Knights Spider-Man run, that 12-issue run. Although that does have a bit of the sadistic stuff in it, yeah. like the Aunt May revelation and everything. Yeah, like you go back and read the first, you go back and read Ultimates. Yeah, and like that's yeah. got a, a bit of. A... I mean, the first volume, the first story arc, not too bad, but the second story arc, where it gets into like the Nazis and the, the Chitauri and everything, it, it, that, that starts to get. For me, in the first story arc, it's in the sexual undertones of Hulk and in making gross sexual threats to Betty. Okay, that, yeah. And then again, though, it does result in the weird jealousy thing and the entire, the, the most dated action set piece and comedy moment. Hulk in smash Freddy Prince Jr. Hulk smash um, Freddy Prince Jr. There is... Um, and the stuff with Janet and Hank, but that gets worse in volume in, in the second yeah, story. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. not good. And The yeah. argument there is, well, it was done in the originals as well, but Janet it's like, yeah, dis- but not to the level of abuse you show. Janet di- distracting Hulk by flashing him. Even though it's lampshaded, mm, it's just a bit like... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I won't deny that does that does make me laugh, that bit. Like, and I think it's just because they, they showed the Hulk as he's just an emotion machine in that moment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like... So he's a giant, horny child. Going, like, going back and reading it now, it's just a bit like... <laughs> mm, yeah. It's just a bit... Mm. Yeah. But then again, I think at the time it At the felt, time, it was a it very felt, important book. Like, yeah, absolutely. It felt different. Um, the other, the mainstream universe was never going to do stuff like that, so someone was like, "Oh, yeah. cool." But I don't think yeah. the attitude has aged well. But about... also, it's clearly a man who hates superheroes, so I, that's why his superhero comics don't necessarily stand out to me. I was going to say the one that I do like is Marvel 1985. That one sort of that again that sort of feels more like a, it's like it's like if a, you know Stranger Things slash ET. It's not, but it's like it's like if sort of Stranger Things ET like Spielbergian thing met. The Marvel concept. The basic idea of that is a kid who loves these comics and reads these comics and everything starts to see some of the stuff. <laughs> so, like, he sees... Um, I can't remember who the first one is. I think the first one might be the lizard, but he sees the lizard somewhere. And he's like, right, this can't be right. And lizard. It's, the idea is that in the story, it's out, it's out of continuity, but it's set in 85. And the idea is that somehow they've started to bleed into our world. And it's that whole small town story of the kid in the small town is the first one to notice these things. And so, you know, it's the monsters run amok on a small town story, but using the Marvel supervillains. Um, <clears throat> and it, it works quite well. Like, you know, Doom's involved and there's a, there's a haunted house, like an alleged haunted house outside of town where he like spots Mole Man like stocking up on things. And he's like, the hell's going on? Um, that's pretty cool. I, I enjoy that one a lot. Um I'm trying to think of any of the Mark Millar stuff that really rings true to me as like being something I, I dig, but off the top of my head, I can't think of any others now. I, I mean, the shelf is no, right next to yeah, it. I, nothing, can't, I can't see another one that's popping at me. I'm trying to grab out like Mark Millar stories that I really love, and nothing is coming to mind. Mm. So, oh, mince. Uh, but good luck on Miller World and Netflix. Let's hope we get some good stuff, and it's not all David Ayer's. I mean, I don't think it's gonna. <laughs> clash too much with their Marvel output either because, like I say, his so pardon me, his Miller World output particularly isn't necessarily superhero focused. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, yeah, we'll see. We shall see. We'll all see. So <sighs> Matt Miller wrote Fantastic Four for a while. Yes, he before, did. Before um, Hitman jumped on. Jonathan. Hike Main. And wrote one of my favourite runs on anything ever. 
this is the, his like, Fantastic Four run that Fantastic went Four into FF. And then it, it continues some of the themes onto it. In I mean, if you want to, you could you could do you could draw a line of one big run from mm. Secret Warriors, yes. to Fantastic Four, yeah. through Fantastic Four and FF, through to Avengers, all the way through to Secret Wars. Yeah, that's that's his legacy for yeah. for Marvel. Jonathan Hickman, damn fine writer. Great work. Very complex stories. Very complex stories. The sort of guy who you can read the main story and get it, but be like, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Read everything around it, and you'll go, Oh my he's, god! He's a like, graphic this is designer. so good. And I think mm. there's something to be said for the idea of his stories as sort of big design work. I They're mean, Christ, very intricately. In- Infinity, for example. Yeah. Um, every issue starts with like a, a graph, a chart. Mm. Of circles and 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 Venn diagrams. Well, this that's, go, that's the this Avengers. is where everybody's involved. This is but that he he that's brought the that Avengers in, machine. Yeah. Like in his Avengers run that started each issue is the Avengers machine. Yeah, and he brought that is, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is the core team, and then their the offshoot, the, 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 um... the arms of the sort of Avengers spider that come off that. Yeah, it's, yeah, <clears throat> it's, yeah. I fucking jealous. God, I didn't know. I didn't know he started as a graphic designer. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Thinking about that now, I'm like, oh my god! Of course, all that he, stuff. His version of a his version of a previously page is a no, no, no. Here's who's involved. Yeah. Here's how close they are to everything. Go. All that stuff is his. Yeah. Is, is he designed? Did it. he come up with? Um, I think he came up with the machine. Code what they're, they're now called the Children of Thanos, but they're the the, uh, the Order, Black Order, yeah. Um, who who would like people might know San Diego Comic Con? Call the Slave, Proxima Midnight, uh, yeah. Super Giant, uh, the 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 Moor. Anymore. What was was dwarf called again? Sorry, super giant. Super giant. No, what was he called? Wasn't he called black? Oh no, what was he originally no. called? Super giant is the really slender one. And the right, massive one is called uh, is black dwarf. Black dwarf, but he's been renamed something else for the... Cool Obsidian, Cool which Obsidian. is a different thing in the comic. I was gonna say I recognise yeah. the name. Oh, okay, but he created some great stuff, and he was yeah. the last sort of consistent writer on the Fantastic Four teams in terms of doing a long run more than like yeah, a Yeah, Matt Fraction did a short run and then James Robinson did a short run and drove it into the fucking dirt because James Robinson t- tends to <laughs> su- sully anything he touches now well, which is in, a real shame. In 2014 they began to wrap up. Um, before that Johnny had died, hadn't he, allegedly? Johnny died um, or was presumed to have died about halfway through Jonathan Hickman's run. Yeah. And then they did FF. And that's the FF came out of it. Which is back. the Future Foundation, yeah. not the Fantastic Four. And then Johnny came back. And then I remember there's one more run in Marvel now where it was all like red titles and everyone had red suits and everything. That was the James Robinson one. That was the James Robinson one. Before that yeah. was the Matt Fraction one. Yeah, okay. So the Matt Fraction one fits in between the end of the FF. And he wrote, and he carried on FF as well. Yeah. So we did the end of FF Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Then the Marvel now started, and you had a Matt Fraction run on both titles, and mm-hmm. they both finished. And then you had James Robinson's run on Fantastic Four. Okay, so a lot of Fantastic Four in that period. Yeah, but then 2015, I think it was, was when they sort of they wrapped up. 2014 was the announcement that that series was coming. It to was an Secret end. Wars. It was yeah. at the end of Secret Wars. Um, bollocks for Secret Wars. At the end of Secret Wars, um, Johnny and Ben go back to the new re remake re. re-, re- rebuilt Marvel Universe yeah and Franklin Sue and Reed mm-hmm. set off with the Molecule Man to rebuild the rest of the multiverse and map it right so they've been written out yeah Johnny and Ben are still kicking around in the map I think well, Johnny's as a, as a business decision yeah Ben's it, part of the guy into the galaxy yeah well, well yeah he's, so, he's dipped in now hasn't he because yeah. um, as a business decision 
people as a narrative decision people are like oh this is weird so like they're going to go away and then in one of the, in one of the upcoming sort of like reboots of of the lineups and everything yeah. they'll come back in a big way and we've had since then we've had all new all different marvel yeah and we're about to get legacy legacy's just starting up now yeah uh, and announced amongst the legacy titles is uh, marvel 2 in 1 which is the thing which book, is the yeah. thing team up book so ben's getting his own book mm mm-hmm. Uh, rumor is that Human Torch will feature in one of the first stories, so it'll be a thing Human so, Torch yeah. team up. But everyone's like, so no Fantastic Four then? No Fantastic Four. Even, even though Legacy's focusing on sort of taking characters back to their roots, and what better characters to do that with than the first family of Marvel? Literally. The guys who created pretty much the superhero genre as it is today, where it is now, starts with Fantastic Four in 61. Uh... Because DC was start, DC were getting their feelers out again properly after the comics code stuff had calmed down a bit, and then Marvel kick off with Fantastic Four. It's the first book that was a Marvel comics book as well. They were still timely up to that point. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is they doing them doing that made DC up their game. And yes, it became this thing where definitely. superhero books sort of settled into a way, uh, and Fantastic Four was the seed of of, of what became, I guess, the. Eventually, like led through the Silver Age. It was and, the Silver Age, and, yeah. yeah. Fantastic Four arriving was was the start of the Silver Age. So these guys are important, and they're beloved by a yes, lot of people. Very important, and yet there are no books for them. Now there'd been a rumor for ages that Marvel was purposely not publishing Fantastic Four books for the and same X-Men reason books. they were publishing less X Men yeah. books, which was Marvel is no longer just the Marvel Comics. Marvel Comics is part of the overall business juggernaut that is Disney. Disney and Marvel Studios make movies. Their movies are about a bunch of characters owned by Marvel. Some yeah, Marvel characters yeah. are owned by other studios. Fox owns X-Men and the Fantastic Four. So let's stop publishing books and hopefully that will slow down any tie-in, any marketing, any buzz from our fan base to go and see the movie versions. Now this wasn't proved. I can't say that that's, that, that demonstrates <clears throat> a clear understanding of their fan base. I'm just putting that no, out Well, exactly. I mean... Yeah, it's oh god. I mean, the X Men movies are their own thing. There'll be people who still don't know X Men has ever been a comic book who who'll be fans of the movies. I mean, or casual like I've, cinema goers who see everyone. I've in the said films. this before, but like there is so little of what I like about X Men comics mm. in those movies. Absolutely, they might as well not be the same thing. Now with X Men, that's this theory sort of been disproved by now because yes, there were less books for a while, but yeah. they've slowly started to get more books as time's gone by. They, they can't. Stop the X Men juggernaut. Like, Ironically, that was... the juggernaut is in prison well, right now. Right. But, uh, but like probably, he's 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 um, it's <laughs> been such a huge part of the Marvel universe. Like in the nineties, the X Men books outsold everything, mm. fucking everything. They that were was the they were the, the crown. Yeah. yeah, that was the jewel in the crown of Marvel's super, Marvel superhero lineup. Um, so, you know, you can try as you might, you cannot get rid of the X-Men. You can piss in the wind, or tug on Hyperion's cape, but you can't yeah. get rid of the X-Men. Um, um, Fantastic Four, on the other hand, they've yeah. been running constantly, mm. but I feel like in between JMS's run and Jonathan Hickman's run, um, Mark Miller had a little bit of run, but it seemed like they were kind of floundering with it. Jonathan Hickman came onto the book and fucking gave it a right kick up the ass, mm. and it was brilliant. And then sci-fi left. fantasy adventures yeah. with a family dynamic, like it, it's there was no other book at Marvel. It's the same. He left, and it kind of felt like the Marvel didn't know what to do with it. 
in a way. Well, it seems that it might have been more of a calculated decision, not just a natural petering out. Mm. Jonathan Hickman was interviewed by Newsarama this past week, and he said when he was asked, like, why do you think there are no FF books at the minute? He said, I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point that Marvel isn't publishing Fantastic Four because of their disagreement with Fox. Nice. Uh, suggesting that Marvel's motivated by the low quality of Fox's film, saying, I completely understand because, well, it isn't like they're not acting out of cause. Fox needs to do a better job there. That's fucking for, for sure. Which is very true. Now, that uh, Tom Brevoort, who's the editor at Marvel, editor-in-chief at Marvel at the moment, is he? He's, uh, he's, he's um, somewhere up the high in the chain of command. Yeah, editor he's in 2014. He's an editor. He's the editor. He's an editor. Editor-in-chief is Axel Alonso. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, Tom Brevoort had, had uh, described that mindset that people would, because people have been speculating about this, as paranoid. Um, but here's one of the writers, uh, previous writers of the book going, yeah, I think it's pretty common knowledge, that's why. It's an open secret, basically. Yeah, it, it's the whole, legally we can't confirm or deny it, but it's pretty freaking obvious. It, it's, it's the Terry Nation Estate Daleks agreement, basically. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Um... He suggested he said that they're timeless universal concepts. So, like, if you want someone to care about a book, write a story they care about. So he's basically saying the only reason they're not doing Fantastic Four is to be spiteful to another yeah. movie studio. It's not because they haven't got any ideas. Like, you put someone with ideas on the book, then they will tell amazing stories. Too fucking right. And guarantee, I guarantee you, there are writers at Marvel right now who would freaking go fall over themselves to oh, write yeah. the FF. Of course. Um, and, and there are fans who would absolutely just snap if if part of Marvel Legacy they'd gone right we're we're starting like thirty new like thirty titles here are thirty titles I can't mm. remember how many it was but like here are thirty titles some of them are ones that are ongoing and you know they were just giving them a kick some of them are brand new ones and we're going to reveal them over thirty days and every day they reveal the title and we were all like yeah and then on the last day they're like oh by the way the last title is the Fantastic Four everyone would have just gone yeah. Yeah, immediately boy. freaking like giving a pull list to their brick and mortar store immediately would have pre-ordered it on the apps and everything like absolutely people want to see more Fantastic Four because Fantastic Four fans and comic fans in general feel like the FF have been shat on hmm. not just by this decision but by the mediocre output of Fox Studios and everything like they feel like fantastic I think mediocre if that's the final nail in the Fantastic Four's coffin oh, what a depressing man. coffin <laughs> yeah, because coffins are exciting. Um, but but it's like, that would be yeah. so, so horrible. It's like John Hinton said, if you want someone to care about a book, write a story mm. they care about. It's like, um, this has come up uh, in James Sterling stuff, or had done quite a while, for quite a while recent, until recently. Um, like when survival horror games went away. Yeah. Survival horror games went away because people were like, oh, well, the publishers were like, well, people don't want them anymore. Mm. But they'd stopped making them. Yeah. So, how can there be demand for something that you've stopped making? Hmm. And this is, it was similar with, um, the Square Enix, when they, I mean, we're talking about games and not comics here. No, no, but, but it's sort of the same, but the business yeah. acumen applies. With Square yeah. Enix make it, then when they made Bravely Default for the 3DS, which is like a, a, a traditional old style, uh, Square, Square Enix style JRPG. Yeah. And it was really successful, and, and they went, oh, so, people still want games like, that play like Final Fantasy VI, huh? Rather than like yeah. the endless sort of reinvention that comes with every like ten years that he decides to bring out a Final Fantasy game, it's like, oh yeah, no people. There was always an appetite for those kind of things. <laughs> you just stopped making them. 
and then because you stopped making them, no one could buy them, and then you go, oh, well, you know, there's just no interest in it, because you stopped fucking making it! Market research will only get you so far. Oh, you need man. to talk to your fan base, to your consumers, and these people don't. They just look at the numbers and go, oh, well, uh, we, we haven't sold any new versions of that same thing, so let's completely reinvent the wheel. It's like, I'll put out a new version of that thing. They need to put out a Fantastic Four book. They need to. Uh, especially because the competition are ready. At San Diego Comic-Con, DC announced oh, a new yeah, title yes, called I've seen this. The Terrifics. Yeah. Uh, now, the four main characters of The Terrifics are Mr. Terrific, um, who's you know basically Olympian-level athlete and, and um, smart guy. Yeah. Uh, Plastic Man, who's you know the, the Justice League, sometimes goofball... Mr. Fantastic-esque, super-powered uh, Deadpool avatar thing. Um, Metamorpho, who's been part of the Outlaws... Outlaws? Yeah. yeah. Outsiders, was, Outsiders. I think he was on Justice League Europe or Justice League International for a yeah, while he, in, the, in he, the 90s. He, he's the one who looks like you just mashed a bunch of Play-Dohs together into yeah, a person. Yeah. He, can, he can change his, his body to sort of match... Like an orange chest and a blue arm well, and a well, silver leg and a... Well, that's the thing, is it? And Phantom Girl, who I'm completely unfamiliar with, apparently is an alien from the distant future who can phase through anything. I don't know shit about Phantom Girl. So you've got Phantom Girl who can phase through stuff and apparently go, uh, like, translucent and sometimes invisible. Oh. You've got Mr. Terrific, who's the brains of the outfit. Add on to that plastic man who can stretch everywhere. Metamorpho, who can turn his body to the different elements, like rock. If one of them just happens to also be able to set themselves on fire... DC have done it. Now, obviously, DC haven't outright gone, we're doing this because Marvel aren't doing the Fantastic I Four. I think they have said that, actually. Well, they, they've said that there is a there is a need for adventure-driven books about family and friendships and, and, and relationships <laughs> in, in, in big camp grand oh, adventures. Man. So they, without saying specifically, yeah, Marvel aren't doing Fantastic Four, so we're doing this, they're basically going, we know there's an audience out there dying for the Fantastic Four to come back. Doesn't look like it's going to. Guess what? The spirit of that book, we're doing it over here. Come and read the terrifics. The interesting thing about this is Jeff Lemire's writing it. Mm. Jeff Lemire was writing um, Extraordinary X-Men and Old Man Logan over at Marvel, doing All New All Different. I think he's still writing Old Man Logan. He basically was like the X-Men dude in All New All Different Marvel. Yeah. I wonder if he pitched Fantastic Four to him and got knocked back. And maybe took his ideas to... um, the other DC. house of ideas. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, panel host Dan Dan Dido, Dan Dan basically the guy who's in charge of DC, described it as the Terrifics are not just a team, they're a family. Oh, and Jeff Lemire says he hopes to channel the the classic Fantastic Four. I think Marvel have shot himself in the foot here and missed out on the on the on the well, on a Jeff Lemire Fantastic at Four. At least the Fantastic Four aren't being hogged by Fox for more mediocre movies. Say, for example, a feature all about Doom focusing on Doom. Oh wait, no, that rumor's circulating now as well. Great. Well, over in the world of cinema, um, uh, there is there is hope, Matthew. Oh, there's what? hope. There's hope. Yeah, there's hope. But we're, we've, we've only just introduced Cable. Dun, 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 dun. X Men. You love the Transformers. I love some of the Transformers. You love the G1 Transformers and I probably love... G2 and probably Beast Wars, knowing you, you weirdo. Yeah, Beast Wars. <laughs> cool. Beast Machines? Never watched Beast Machines. Good. Toys. Yeah, I, I had the Optimus at one point. The little Optimus. 
No, the, the bigger one, he was like orange and blue, and he, he sort of looked like a, an ape on the front, but then he had like the metal bits coming on the side. But I also have Optimus yeah. Primal from Beast, Mach- uh, Beast Wars. Beast Wars, that was a um, In that box right there. There's a masterpiece um, of that now, it's gorgeous. Oh, I'd buy that. Yeah. But anyway, you like Transformers. Uh, What's your favourite Transformers movie? The, the Tra- 1986 The Transformers Transformers the movie. the movie exactly would you be excited at the prospect of another animated Transformers feature film coming to cinemas possibly yeah conditionally yeah uh, as far as I'm aware yeah. it's hand drawn animated might be CGI oh, I think they're still in the early uh, stages hand drawn yeah I, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that okay down uh, to clown a lot of the voice cast are rumoured to be attached to it like the classic voice cast of course including like Peter, Peter Cullen, Cullen yeah love Prime. a bit of Peter Cullen <laughs> yeah it's, is, uh, it's yeah yeah is yeah. Judd Nelson coming back as Hot Rod I, well, I mean who knows <laughs> it's on the air and we have stack as Ultra Magnus again and we, uh, do you know what um, you, you got it and and best of all uh, yeah. best of all Matthew I know you're going to love yeah. this okay. it's set in the Michael Bay Transformers oh, universe for fuck's sake Transformers has announced uh, and Hasbro have confirmed that a new animated Transformers movie is on this the way this is why we can't have nice things Christopher oh oh he's oh oh he's oh oh he's he's gone it's just you and me listeners take off your top oh he's back okay. he's yeah. back just got to, I've just got to wash the blood off my hands wait uh, what <sighs> I don't think Mr. Bay will be a problem anymore ah. oh well, there's no confirmation if he is if he is involved or not. But considering it's based on his Transformers universe, it's likely he'll either be overseeing or executive producing. Mm. Um, it's the fact so that Hasbro I stop the bleeding. Then? No, that's in flatlining. Just um, keep, just keep, keep the pressure on, Michael. Hold, hold the towel. T- just keep the pressure on, yeah. Oh God. Call the ambulance. So it's um. It's a, it's a, bl- like, the good lord giveth and the good lord shit on your chest, because... This is why I don't believe in God. This is why we can't have nice things. Because we're getting an animated Transformers movie. Amazing. Theatrical Transformers animated film. In, in this, in, in the next, like, five years, where we are apparently getting a bunch of studios have gone, yes, we've got live action versions of these properties, but why don't we do some animated ones too? Sony are releasing a Spider-Man movie starring the Miles Morales Spider-Man, and it's an animated film. That's amazing. I can Brilliant. Do that, yeah. Because they've gone, do you know what? We've got the property and it's obviously not meant to be tied into the live action one. Like, let's do it. And again, I think the rumour is with that that it's hand... I hope it's hand-drawn. They've not confirmed. I hope it's hand-drawn. I hope it's hand-drawn. Because then it'll look like a comic book come to life and then hopefully it'll start a boom of hand-drawn films again. Uh, the last big hand-drawn theatrical release was Winnie the Pooh in 2011. Oh. And that didn't even get a big release in the UK. Ugh. But anyway... Um, this this little Twitter moment summed it up beautifully. New animated Transformers movies coming to coming to Hasbro. Yes, it'll be set in the film's continuity, and then just a gif of the maid from Get Out going. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I, I. Oh God, I just, I, I'm sad. I'm sad for you uh, more than anything because I know it, they're your babies and they're just being shit on more and more as time goes by. I just want someone to adapt. Or at least do something in the vein of the IDW comics, the, the more recent ones. It would be glorious, um, wouldn't it? But well, would say that, that it were so simple. Mich- Machinima did a did an adaptation of Combiner Wars, and apparently that was dog shit. So I don't know. Yeah, but that's disgusting. Yeah, so I'm sad about this. But there there is good animation out there, man. 
There is where, good animation out there. Where can I find this fine animation? Day and date with the US release. Yeah, I can't promise that. But Netflix! <laughs> Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty has been coming out. Um, apparently, each episode is straight after the US one. But as of the recording of this podcast, Tuesday the 8th of August, episode 3, which went out in the States two days ago, still isn't on the UK Netflix. So we're going to talk about... Rick Mansing, The Stone, Episode 2. Uh, Rick and Morty Season 3, minus spoilers ahead. Uh, please don't spit that ice cube onto the microphone. Just crunch it betwixt your teeth. Oh, listen to that. Oh, listen to it. Oh. Oh. I can't crunch it, it's too big. Oh, God. And I've got teeth like class. <laughs> like class? Like... <laughs> So, uh... <laughs> they are broken and not coming back. Hey! <laughs> uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, episode 2, season 3. Uh, like the Purge episode from the last series, we got one that was basically just, we're going to pick a film, and we're pretty much just going to work in the realms of that film. It's It starts out as Fury Road, and then turns into um, Beyond Thunderdome. You, get, you, you guys ever use that Thunderdome? <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, literally, there. there's literally a Thunderdome. The Blood Dome? <laughs> yeah, yeah f- fuck. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, in the wake of Beth and Jerry's oncoming divorce, Jerry's moved out. Summer is ignoring both of her parents and just wants to go on adventures with Rick. And it seems like Morty's penting up any form of sadness and aggression he's got from his parents divorcing all the stress of it all. He's sitting on some things. He's sitting on some shit. So Summer just openly starts being a big old violent psycho, delving into this Mad Maxian world and just enjoying it and even wanting to stay there and marry, um, like the main. Oh, what's he called? I can't remember what he's called now, but he's voiced by Joel McHale. Yes. So, and he does a fucking great job. Um, look up the cast list. Because his costume's straight... I'm trying to remember the character from, is it number two? But his he, costume's he, exactly the same. almost exactly the same as the Lord Humongous. That's it. Except and the guy yeah. that, that Summer kills at the beginning is, is basically Immortan Joe. Yes. <laughs> With a weird, like, sort of chomping mouth thing. Can, I just, can we just appreciate that there is a character in Mad Max 2 called the Lord Humongous. <laughs> and he is humongous. Like, that's... Straight up. I think that's my favourite thing about it, is it starts with, oh, here's the Mad Max movie, all of you younguns will know, and now we're going to draw direct inspiration from the mm. second and third one, which you've probably not watched yet. Like, here we go. Mad Max 2's pretty good, but it's basically a proof of concept for Fury Road. Yeah, yes, yeah! Oh, that's a good description, actually. But it, it's fucking great. Um, Rick just wants to get out of there with the, the stone, like the power core that he's gone there to collect. He just wants to leave, but he sort of reluctantly sticks around for a bit and tries to dupe everybody into giving him what he needs. And Morty... Joel McHale plays Hemorrhage. Hemorrhage. Tony Hale, who is the uh, <laughs> the scientist guy from The Last Night, yeah. and also the, the uh, Buster Bluth from Arrested Development, plays Deathstalker Eli. Oh, God. Laura Bailey is Eli's girlfriend. Really? Yeah. Oh, Laura Bailey's good. She's awesome. Um, But yeah. They have, uh, they've got a Thunderdome-esque, like, sort of brutal combat thing, and Rick uses Morty as a distraction, makes him the combatant, but gives him an edge by using this thing that draws energy, protein, and everything from dead tissue, and makes use of it in living, in living tissue. So he finds, like, a severed muscular it's arm. A, it's a muscle memory injection. Yeah, that, ah, that, that's the key point, isn't it? Because he sucks the muscle out, 
inject Morty and Morty's left arm grows to like freaking Schwarzeneggian proportions. It's and then starts acting of its own will. Specifically, it's a large arm. Specifically beating the crap out of everybody in the arena into a bloody pulp. Um, which some, at first, fun action in this, yeah. at first Morty, oh, it's gory, man. At yeah. first Morty hates it, and he's obviously like, oh, no, no, jeez. And then finds it a brilliant release for all the stress and everything of his parents' divorce, and how he's feeling about Rick, and, and it, it's sort of like, oh my god, this is, this is therapy. <laughs> Until he realizes that the, the, mm. the arm is looking for one man specifically, and there's a chain of command it wants to work its way up towards for revenge. <laughs> It gets dark. Um, it's another amazing episode. Like it's, it's. I sort of felt the same with this one as I did with like the Purge one and stuff, where I was like, I don't think I'm going to revisit this one a lot, but I, I enjoy it for what it is. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it's very episode two. Like it's yeah, it was pretty cool. But, but come on, what what else have you got? What else I have you I got? I spent the whole time laughing out loud, but I was smiling the whole time. Mm. So we dig, we dig the shit out of it, and I can't wait to see the Pickle <sighs> Rick one now. Pickle Rick's next. Pickle Rick and his, like, bone exosuit. Yeah. Oh. Apparently there's a very good reason for him to be a pickle. Of course. But I, I can't think of any reason that you would need <laughs> past Pickle Rick. <laughs> like, that's, that's what it. What more do you need? That's all you, that's all you need. Oh, jeez. Pickle Rick! The post-credits with the dog is freaking hilarious. <laughs> Like, doesn't want to eat the food Jerry's got. It it just wants his welfare check. Like it, it derives joy from eating his do welfare you, check and communicates it just by growling. Do you think that there'll be something to <laughs> that there'll be something later on oh, picking so up on good. the idea that he just keeps hearing the wind whisper loser? Loser. I don't know, because I I'll be honest, when I saw that I was like, uh you've stolen that joke. That's a stolen joke. Unless there is a payoff later yeah. on. But they do it twice. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's nicked so... from Mighty Boosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, out here in the tundra, wind, my only friend. I hate you. <laughs> Shut up, wind. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, wind yeah. the wind cries, Jerry. <laughs> well, that's depressing. Do you know what else is depressing? Life. The slow, inevitable movement of time towards entropy and heat death. Logopolis Jersey Shore The constant popularity of reality television Another Tory government Donald Trump Nick Robinson's sexual harassment allegations Alright, I'm at a loss here. Okay, uh, so... <laughs> Email! Hey! Because they're inevitably filled with questions we're going to reluctantly answer, yeah. I imagine. Hey. So let's find out what the hell you little monkeys have got to say. Jesus, this is a chunky one. But what about the email? Ha! Sorry, <laughs> I have my hands on my pants. Um, <laughs> oh, he's thinking about Karen Gillan winking over his shoulder. No, again, no, no, stop! I'm, I'm, I can't. The I safe can't. word is Zardu Hassel. I'm Frau. not a pervert, alright? I'd just like to point that out. He just plays one on TV. I'm not a pervert. <laughs> um, oh, everyone's going to think I'm sort of, sort of sex pest now. Oh, that's um, fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll make an inappropriate comment. Um, uh, penis. This one comes from Rowan. 
Rowan, oh Rowan, we've heard that you were growing. He sleeps in manure and grows real pure, but now he's taller than a house and he's starting to panic. And oh my god, his, his arms are coming out the windows. His head just burst through the roof. My god, Rowan, get your feet out of the manure, Rowan. They've come to take you away. The CIA helicopters are circling. They're going to take him down. Int. <clears throat> Dalek corridor. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. Richard Herndl's first doctor and Susan run down a corridor. <laughs> Richard Herndl is both the first doctor and Susan. <laughs> run down a corridor quickly escaping a Dalek blast. <laughs> Herndl nibbles on some heavily buttered toast as they run. <laughs> He's run out of pineapple. <laughs> Goodness me, Susan. <laughs> I just can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> Yes, Grandfather, the human delicacy known as I can't believe it's not butter surely is delicious and creamy just like the real thing. But quick, we must get to the TARDIS for the Terry Nation's estate and BBC co-owned Daleks TM are coming for us. <laughs> Nicholas Briggs. Exterminate. <laughs> the Doctor, we will have the human creamy buttery goodness only known as I can't believe it's not butter. Quickly, Susan. Get to the TARDIS! <laughs> and put some more toast on! <laughs> I just can't get enough of I can't believe it's not butter! <laughs> the Doctor and Susan get into the TARDIS and dematerialize away from <laughs> the buttery, salty nightmare on Scarrow. <laughs> and you too can enjoy the human delicacy known as I can't believe it's not butter in your local supermarkets <laughs> now. And get them quickly, for one lucky buyer might be able to obtain the limited edition Doctor Who stickers only available in six I can't believe it's not butter boxes. Yori! <laughs> Jesus, it's, Rowan. It's been a while since I last wrote in because uh, since then you I spent lost... all those months writing a screenplay, apparently. <laughs> since then I lost the use of my and was wondering how we all are. What? And since then, Doctor Who's season 10 was goodish, and Ben Affleck wants to die. As in, mm. dye his hair. Yeah, he's um, greying. The, the part has aged him. It has aged him. It's, it's aged it him like a fine one. I've always wondered what used guy's no, favourite sort of music no. is. Oh, alright. Uh, I, <laughs> I gather it's some thought... I gather it's some form of rock based off your intro and outro. I think some form of metal was mentioned by you, Matt, probably copper. And I think you, Chris, once posted <laughs> something about System of a Down once on the Twitters, I think. I may have imagined it. I hope it didn't, because System of a Down are fucking fab BT dubs. At least in my opinion, and enjoy all sorts of metal, mainly <laughs> tin. Um, also, Joker Blogs came back, albeit briefly. So talk about it, please. Yeah, yeah. I will know if you don't, because you know the podcast. Anyway, I'll be off now, but keep up the sincerely cool work and whatnot. The podcast remains ever funny. Toodles, Governor Rowan, Finn Jones. What? Um, um, Rowan, you're a strange man, but uh, I like you. You write about music. Um, yeah, the the intro, the intro is... Well, I wrote and recorded it and performed it, so... Yeah, that's kind of the stuff I'm into. He wrote the um, theme tune, he sung the theme tune. I did a Dennis Waterman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, so, he could be so good for himself. Um, I could be so good for you. For you. <laughs> um, if you want me to. Yeah, no, I like, I like, I like rock and roll and, and metal and all sorts. <laughs> I'm seeing Metallica in October when they come to Manchester. Oh. Um, so, you know. Stuff. Yeah, I've not been to a gig in for so long, but the next gig is October and it's Alice Cooper. Ah! Yeah, I've so. seen Alice Cooper for years. He's so good. 
I've never heard any of the new album, Paranormal. I had a little bit of it. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Very good. <laughs> I, like it. I, I like mean, that it. gives like that gives people. away part of the answer, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I think I think if we had to if we had to pick a genre like above all, it's probably rock, but it's various different versions and degrees. And then again, I've God gave rock and roll to you. Gave rock and roll to you. And it hurts, baby. Yeah. But uh, yeah, System of a Down. I mentioned before. I freaking love them. I love seeing them. Yeah. Um, I I want to see. I want to see them after they've put out a new album. Yeah, that's when they I want to see them. Because like... I never saw them back in the day. I was fourteen when I discovered them. I first started listening to them. Just Chris as... discovered System of a Down. And yes, I in a in a, in a cave. <laughs> um, <laughs> we just sat there. Chris Johnson <laughs> built System of a Down in a cave. <laughs> um, more box of scraps, box of scraps, Swap. and a goatee. Um, <laughs> I constructed like fucking crazy. I constructed search tankians, and I quote overnight, and I quote actual lyrics from vicinity of obscenity. Banana, 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 terracotta, banana, terracotta, terracotta pie. Do we all learn defeat from the whores with bad feet? Beat the meat, treat the feet to the sweet milky sea. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I discovered him in 2005 with, which was the first part of that album? Was it Hypnotize? Hypnotize. And then Mesmerize. I discovered them around the time of, of Hypnotize. I was like, oh my god, these guys are amazing. Immediately, like, tracked down with what pocket money I could put to one side. Um, System of a Down and Toxicity. Steal This Album and Toxicity. Toxicity's fucking great. Toxicity's great. I think that's probably the best thing they've done. And then, obviously, when um, Mesmerize came out, I was like, oh, get in my freaking system. And then that beautiful day where I discovered that the two cardboard, the original cardboard releases <laughs> slotted together to create a double album. I was like, ah! I didn't realise for like a year. And then I was like, oh my god, they slot together. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I, I freaking love them, but I, I would, I would, since they've recently regrouped in recent years, I would wait until sixth album before I saw them live because I'd want to hear what I love them for, but I also want to hear something new. Yeah, yeah, too right. Um, too right. I grew up on a diet of Queen, so that kind of informed my musical taste. Like I'm sort of a bit more like a broad rock kind of taste but at the same time the operatic stuff mm. led me into discovering more classical music which I'm not a huge I'm not like a huge fan of but I like classical music no but there's definitely a lot of like between the more the operatic complex stuff. rock and operatic yeah. rock yeah. prog rock um, specifically yeah, prog and prog yeah. particularly that does lean into a classical edge and, yeah. but at the same time I've got stuff like Katy Perry and Kanye West mm. and all that on my iPod as well so but I think rock would be the dominant oh yeah you've got Katy Perry in her albums on your, I do have Katy Perry albums. On your, uh, I do. I know, I know, I, you, I know that you think she's got a great pair of albums of chords. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy, I'll, I'll be honest. All the stuff she's put out this year, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be picking up the next one. It just sounds like utter fucking bollocks. Utter gash. Yeah, Gashwan. Um, what's been good recently? Um, Baby Driver soundtrack. Baby Driver soundtrack. <laughs> uh, Mastodon's new album, Emperor of Sun, is really good. Mm. Avenged Sevenfold album, new album is really good. Um, oh, God. Creeper, I turn it in your arms. That's fucking excellent. Um, oh, yeah, give, Jesus Christ, give Creeper a listen. I think Creeper just gave Creeper. you a the throbber. Oh, I did. Um, <laughs> they did. Nice. Yeah, also, nice. Some, there's some good things over here this year. Yeah, I was listening to what I was good. New Metallica album's good. Yeah. Go listen to some Jethro Tull, kids. Treat oh, Aqualung, my friend. The Whistler's still my favourite, though. Cross-Eyed Mary. Bless you. Mm. Um, 
What was the other question? Uh, Joker Box, talk about it. Joker Box, yeah. Uh, so a couple well, months so ago. It's so much a question, isn't it, as an, an instruction? Yeah, but it was a while ago. It was a while ago. I think Rowan's been frozen in carbonite or something. Uh, yeah. Joker Blogs was a big online series. If you watched any of my Joker videos from last year about the best Joker, I mentioned uh, Scott McClaw's take on the Heath Ledger version of the character in the Heath Ledger episode. The Joker Blogs was a series that um, stopped sort of in series two. Series one was these like therapy session tapes and then the camera being taken on a breakout for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And then series two is shot uh, it's through cameras, but it's like the CCTV, some of it, and some of it's the news reporting of someone uh, talking to, uh, to a government candidate. I won't go into and all this, but yeah, and then some of it shot like, uh, but some of it in series two is just shot traditionally as well, intercut with it. So you still have the vibe of found oh, okay, footage, yeah. but also shot, you know, straightforward. And I feel like that's cheating, but I'll let them. <clears throat> I think they had to at one point because there's that many stories that they're covering that they were like, we can't feasibly come up with a reason why people would be recording everything. So they retain some of the feel through the CCTV bits and the news camera bits, but then the rest of it is shot. Because there's a whole thing with uh, Jeremiah Arkham's wife being operated on by Thomas Elliot, and there's no way to do that with a camcorder and make it work, considering the characters that are in the room. Yeah. Um, also, the Joker's not really featured in Series 2 much. Like, he's in the asylum during everything going to shit. Like, he's in there somewhere. He's the cameraman! He's been, well, he's been using stuff... Um, <laughs> it, what we've seen of him, he's been using stuff to to paint himself back again. Like, paint his war paint on again. And he applied the lips in the recent one. And uh, it was with the half-removed finger of a character from earlier in the story. Um, so he's been smearing blood into a smile. But they don't like make a thing of going, look at this, look at this. It's completely implied. You're like, where did he get the red... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, they just dumped two episodes on us after like five years of no news. Yeah, I remember you saying. You're and very excited. They're pretty good. But then again, there's the whole thing of... They've said... With, there's going to be more regularly now. We're going to wrap up Series 2 proper soon. But this was like three months ago. Yeah. So we don't know. I, I put toward it. I, it was it was a GoFundMe Series 2. Oh, yeah. Because Warner Brothers and Chris Nolan gave them a blessing to do more, as long as they stuck to the whole thing of, you know, you can't profit from it. Um, Which is what they did with Series 1, because it's fan films. And they stuck to that, but they obviously took that as a, oh my God, thank you so much. So like Nolan has actually paid yeah, attention yeah. and gone, this is great. Keep doing what you're doing, obviously within legal limits. Uh, and that's why I've got series one edited as a film together on DVD. Because that was that was a perk. That was a perk of donating. Um, stroke it. Stroke it, son. Uh, plus the digital version. So series one you can watch completely for free on YouTube. And series two, so far, you can watch completely for free on YouTube. Plus the mini-series in the middle called Further Evidence, which is six little individual character bits that are shot like professionally, setting up some story beats between the two series. Um, and yeah, the, the, the DVD version, the download version you got for being a donator to the series two budget, uh, is like an edited together version of, of the first series into a three and three hour and 20 minute long film. So it's cut in a different order than the actual releases of the video. So you can watch it in two completely different ways and it makes sense. Like it still makes sense each way. Huh. It's pretty smart. Freaking great. Um, that is impressive. Is is good. I think I think the the DVDs autographed as well, which is quite cute. Um, but yeah, so that's I I freaking love it. And oh, love it. if you love Chris Nolan's take on the it. Joker and Heath Ledger's take on the Joker, and you want to see what could have been the next part of the story for him, for the Doctor that uh, looks after his therapy, uh, and also as series two moves on. Batman, then definitely check out the Joker blogs. Because they've done Batman in Series 2. And Phantasm's in Series 2. 
Phantasm. Phantasm. Phantasm is in series two, and it's done really freaking I, well. I, and it's not Andrea Beaumont. She's there, and they obviously play with your expectations, but it's not her, but she might be in on it. Speaking of... It's great! Speaking Sorry. of weird Batman characters popping I do up, love it. <laughs> I, was reading, I was reading Zero Year recently. Yeah, how are you finding it now, now that you're separated from the it's, it's uh, from the release schedule disruption good. that it was yeah, on? It's, it's, on it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Um, I like it. Um, I Reaper's in it. The Reaper from mm. Batman Year Two. Yeah, this is the guy. Very fleetingly. Yeah. The the with the red armor and the and the and the the side hands and the guns in the side. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? That's a deep pull. Well, Snyder's obviously like, we could do something with that. Let's just also, do it. don't read Batman Year Two. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Who wrote that one? Uh, my left foot. Me. I know Todd McFarlane. My did. left foot. Todd McFarlane drew some of it. Um, it's lots of billowing capes. Mm, Have you heard about the Spawn development? Oh, for fuck's sake! It's it's it looks like it's going to be a TV show, but really low budget. But he he wants to do it as a film rather than a TV show. Uh, Batman Year Two was written by Mike W. Barr. Illustrated by Alan Davis, Paul Neary, Alfredo Alcala, Mark Farmer, and Todd McFarlane. So a bag of shit, really. It's 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 a very nineties. It's basically <laughs> um, after Frank Miller's pretty great year one. Batman teams up with Joe Chill and carries a gun. Why? And he's like, "I need to use a gun for this thing. I will never use gun." Oh, I like bad. the interpretations it's of the story. Bad. I like the interpretation of the story where Joe Chill is either completely retired or dead by the time Bruce comes back to Gotham as Batman. Because it's like, why would that same mugger still be a mugger? In Zero Year, like still thirty around. years well, he's, later, he's still around in Endgame. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, well, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Although I like the Batman Brave and the Bold episode that's based on the uh, like Silver Age strip, mm. where um, like Batman confronts him. And he panics and he's like, you killed my parents. Is that what you talking about? And he pulls the mask off and he's like, you murdered my parents and all this. And um, what's well, it? He runs out into the auction of supervillains. He's like, oh my god, Batman's in there! And they're like, what? And it's like all of Batman's foes in the Brave and the Bold version. And like, what are you talking about? It's like, Batman's in there! He just showed me his face and, and I, I, I killed his parents! Like, I I killed his parents! And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, he's Batman because I killed his parents! They go... <laughs> Wait, you created Batman, <laughs> and then they all immediately decide- they don't even stop to be like, "So who is he then?" Like you took it, they're immediately like, "Wait, he's your fault. Get him." And it's so weird, Do you know. It's just odd. It's great. Um, Brave and the Bold is really Brave good. and the Bold is so good. Um, unless you're Aquaman, in which case it's outrageous. Oh, fucking hell! I've got the game of that on. Way we should do it. We should do. We should do Matt Chris playing. Um, awesome. Because yeah. Um, uh, what's next in the email inbox? Luke! Beijing or Beijing? Whoa, 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 whoa. Cool, yeah? <laughs> Here it is, the much-awaited sequel to my last email and people to the next. Sorry, sorry. What? Just low, just, just, just lessen the tempo by about 20%. What? Here it is. Doesn't 20% look too spoilers. And was wondering which episodes are your favourites. Mine 
are once more with feeling and restless. I really enjoy... <laughs> You're so quiet on the mix. <laughs> I really enjoy Rick and Morty. And I started watching because many of my friends were talking about it. And it is written by Dan Harmon of Community. Yep, yep. Do any of you recommend a 1980s comedy as I'm super lazy and have nothing better to do this holiday? What is the weirdest TV show you've watched? Oh my god. My answer would be either Monty Python's Flying Circus, Rick and Morty, <laughs> Community, <laughs> or Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> Bye. Well, that kind ended expectedly, didn't it? I hope the sequel is better. What is your IMDb review for this email? <laughs> I just don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. It keeps going. <laughs> just noticed that I didn't sign this off. The Ginger Luke, by the way. Thanks, Ginger Luke. Uh, right, see how many questions I can remember. Uh, to answer your first one, uh, I'm sure we can work something out at some point. Even if we don't manage to do a full commentary, I'm sure we can contribute our thoughts. Uh, there's four and a half series of Sarah Jane, so I'm sure we'll find a way to make it work. I'll check the schedule. Yes. Um, I was going to say, like, if you need a recap, like, we'll sit down and binge it. I did that recently, and it was magical. I've honestly only watched a little bit of the Sarah Jane adventure. Well, by Joe, we're going to have to binge, sir. Um, what was the next question? The next question was... I'll repeat it for you. Was it, Buffy, was it Buffy episodes? I'm nearing the end oh God. of Buffy. Oh, fuck. No spoilers. Jesus Christ. And was wondering which episodes <laughs> are your favourites. Um, Mine are once more with feeling. And, and Restless? And Restless. restless okay. Um, restless is great. The Body. I don't know if favourite's the right word. We've talked about this before. I'm sure we have. Yeah, I don't think favourite's the right word, but The Body's definitely one of the best episodes. Um... And I really like the series two finale, Becoming. I think it's Becoming part one and two, mm-hmm. which is really horrible. It has a horrible ending. Close your eyes and all that. It's just like he comes back, his soul comes back. The one with the Just fish- before she has to impale him, he becomes, like, she's like, this is the only way I'm going to, like, close this portal and save the world, because I have to kill Angelus, and he has to bleed into the portal, and, like, everything's going to be fine. And then just before she thrusts the blade his soul comes back and he turns back into Angel and it's like, oh, she, she holds it for just a second and then she's like, no, I can't. And she just stabs him. It's beautifully done. Um, the one where the swim team turn into fish people. Shut up. <laughs> Get out. I love that Let one. me guess. You love the freaking one where all the kids become hyenas as well, don't you? No, I'm not so keen yeah. on that one. The pack. That was yeah. a weird one. Um, Although the, e- the principal is eaten. And then it's only ever joked about in throwaway references after that. And then Armin Shimmerin joins us as Principal Snyder and it all gets excellent. The one with the eggs. Bad eggs. Oh, the parent, the parenting test and the, the sort yeah. of the, the, the face hugger-esque like bug things. The Mother Gazoa. That's it. Oh my god. Um, uh, oh my I don't god. know any episode names, so I'm just going to go. The one with, uh, the one with the penis-headed old lady in the double meat palace. Double Meat Palace. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's called Double Meat Palace. That one. Um, uh, oh God, Storyteller from Series Seven is one of the few Series Seven stories that really stands out with Andrew because it's quite silly and a bit flippant, and then has a really bittersweet ending where he has to confront the fact that he killed Jonathan. Um, uh, the season five finale. Oh, uh, the gift. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing. Um, the season six finale. 
Oh, oh, oh shit! Was oh, basically any the Dark Willow, Willow trilogy. That any is pretty... Yeah, anything from like the especially second half when of Giles six. disappears like early on. You're like, oh, they've written him out of the show, and then Cliffhanger is. I'd like to test that theory and just go to credits. You're like, holy shit, Giles is back, motherfuckers! Ah! Um, the one with the dummy. Oh, the puppet show from series one, Sid the Dummy. Oh god, I do love that one. Because it just threw that trope on its head. We like dummies. We do. We've got a thing. A bit creepy, really. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Those ones. <laughs> those um, ones. And all, only those ones. Don't watch any other ones. Watch all of them. The Zeppo from Series 3 is really good. Do any of you recommend a 1980s comedy? As I'm super lazy <laughs> and have nothing better to do. I guess we're sticking to films. This holiday. Films. Well, if it's a holiday thing, probably a series, but I'm not that familiar with that. Um, let's, let's pick a couple of films, because it'll be a little easier to narrow down. I'd, uh, if you want something dark and not necessarily funny, but just odd, The Burbs. That's a fun that one. That popped up on Netflix recently, and I've still not seen it. There you go. It's odd. Like, it, you don't come out of it going, that was great. You come out of it going, yeah? But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's that kind of... Because it's um, Joe Dante, I think. Yeah, Dick Miller's in it, so it's got to be a Joe Dante <laughs> movie. Uh, well, right, the original uh, creep show film. Is that a two. comedy? No, but they're funny. <laughs> um, uh, um, oh Christ, what else? They Live? Again, that's not really a comedy. Not really a but comedy, it's, but it's very good. It's very funny. We're not recommending, we're just recommending horror films. Because the 80s made funny um, horror films, that's why. Funny horror films. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. There you go, there's and a comedy. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yes. Not, not Beverly three. Hills Cop 3. Never 3. Um, so I'm looking at the DVD see if there's anything that comes to mind. Yeah, like... Oh, uh, what we got? What well, we got? 80s comedy movies. Uh, ding, dang, dingle, dangle, do. Flibbity, flibbity, flu, flop. I mean, Ghostbusters is it? Oh, yeah, movie. Ghostbusters. Um, Coming to America. Yes. Oh, yes. Blues Brothers. Princess Bride. I think Blues Brothers is 1980, so it just makes it. Yeah. Princess Bride? Is that 80? Yeah. Is that 88? 87. Oh, my God, really? Wow. Naked Gun. Yes! Yes! Um, Naked Gun! Oh my god, yes. Sorry. Yeah, Spaceballs. Yeah. If, you, if you're a Star Wars fan, Spaceballs. This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> Beetlejuice. It's 88. Yes. Um, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. 87. Um, that is amazing, actually. Yeah. Why did, why did that one not come to mind first? Because I don't know when any of these movies were made without Fair looking play. it up. <laughs> Fair play. Anything um, with John Candy in. Disclaimer, probably oh. not Probably not everything with John Candy. Uncle Buck. Yes, um, okay. Oh, that Uncle might be Buck. 90, actually. That might be 90. Screw it, go for it. Mr. Um, Mom. Scrooged. <laughs> yeah? Scrooge. What's the one with Michael Keaton as a millionaire? Um, I don't know. <laughs> that one. The one that's got the weird Altai-in song uh, called This Is The Life. Adventures um, in Babysitting. Yes. you've got Vincent D'Onofrio and a little girl thinks he's Thor. <laughs> yes, oh my God. The Kingpin is Thor. It's pretty awesome. Um, there's a bunch there there you go that's a bunch of 80s comedy movies Breakfast saw. Club Breakfast Club yeah uh, Gremlins Gremlins let's just stop because we're just listing movies now <laughs> but take a pick uh, from any of those like 30 films yeah I don't know like well, I, I think I think you're probably thinking more of series but like 1980s comedy series 80s series uh, not my forte at all Taxi Taxi it's alright <laughs> watch, um, watch a bit of Cheers Red Wolf died in the 80s isn't it 88. 88, yeah. there you go. Red Dwarf. There you Red go. Dwarf. Um, Although everything we picked was American right up until there. <laughs> Name any good British comedies from the 80s. Exactly. Wait, wait. Wait. Um, shit, what's it called? Open all, uh, no, 
open all hours? Was that the 80s? That was the fucking... 70s? 70s. Was open it? Open all hours, yeah. Uh, Look how fucking young David Jason is in that. Yeah, but David Jason did have that weird thing of looking sort of like... Yeah, I know he looked... Older than, the, looked, par- he, older than the parts he was playing. He looked well younger than he was <laughs> until suddenly he aged overnight and started doing Touch of Frost. Yeah. Like, he but, grew a moustache and it just changed yeah, the game. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, oh God! Let me look up 1970s British comedy films. 70s, 1980s <laughs> British comedy films. Oh God! Um, with no, with no and I, with no and I, of course. All the money. Fish called Wonders and 80s. Fish called Wonder. One, yeah. Time Bandits, dark fucking. Time comedy Bandits is comedy. weird. Um, Time Bandits has a brilliant ending. Uh, oh God, yeah, it's mm. so dark though. Brazil. Um, Brazil that's again. Pretty he- that's pretty heavy. Though. Pretty <laughs> fucking heavy, but yeah. technically a comedy, I guess. If you're a Python fan, you should be checking out pretty much everything Gilliam directed, apart from the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Local hero, if you want to be the Peter Capaldi in. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh my god. I'd forgotten that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's stop there because we'll just end up listing movies. We're just going to list movies. What was the um, next question? The weirdest TV show you've ever watched. Oh, I've got uh, a feeling your answer's Twin Peaks. The new Twin Peaks, yeah. Okay. The original Twin Peaks is odd. <clears throat> yeah. But like, there's weirder stuff. Yeah. Because it paves the way for the X-Files. It, in a way, it sort of paves the way for things like The League of Gentlemen dum, dum, and Inside Number 9 and, and Psycho Bill. Um, but the new Twin Peaks just goes off the fucking deep end into <laughs> surrealism and symbolism. And David Lynch is just like... I'm gonna do Matthew. And I'm so gonna many... play with your hair. But even like, even when it's like conventional dialogue scenes, <clears> there's <throat> loads of like awkward pauses and like long. You showed me that scene with Michael Sarah, oh where it just God. lasted like seven minutes, and it was about there was maybe like twenty lines in the whole scene. But like, there's some like dialogue <laughs> scenes between David Lynch and Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. Uh, now left us Miguel Ferrer. Um, <clears throat> uh. And yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of that watching this series because it was filmed. A lot of the cast died after it was filmed. Yeah, like at least four cast members. Yeah, died since filming. But chief among them, I say chief among them because he's got more screen time. Yeah, being Miguel Ferrer. Um, but like, it, and they'll just have this dialogue scene where they just—it's so slow and stop start, mm. and it's like it, it will just cut between them of like just staring at each other. Yeah, and it. it and that's just a normal dialogue scene. That's not even. That's not even when you get into like the <laughs> Don S. Davis's disembodied head floating through a void, mouthing blue rose. Yeah. And um, a fucking dark shape materializing in a box and then killing two people while having sex, or the woodsman coming out of nowhere and invading a 1956 town and a frog fly crawling into a into a, a into a sleeping girl's mouth and then. The, like one episode, like half of it is just going inside a nuclear explosion and going into strange whirling voids and seeing what happens. And also the weirdest thing about the weirdest thing about the new series of Twin Peaks. James Belushi's pretty fucking good in it. I'd pick come outside. Why does she think that dog's gonna learn anything? <laughs> I mean, just what's what's Pippin gonna take away from visiting a milk bottle factory? Oh god! Uh, <laughs> I can't top that. If to you be can honest. handle the weirdness, you need to watch the new the new Twin Peaks just to see like <laughs> someone made this. Now, I love it. 
Yeah, oh, I, I absolutely understand it. People will watch that and go, what the fuck is this? This is fucking nonsense. But it's really fucking... I really love it. And, um... Yeah, but, that, but it's hands down the weirdest TV show I've ever watched. Like, it's just fucking bizarre. Yeah, but why has she got a plane? How can she afford to keep that plane, like, clean and fueled? She just lives in a fucking cottage with the a thing, dog. The thing that gets me... No, right? no it gets me really hard. There's a couple of, a couple of TV shows that, that are weird because, you know, they're framed around a premise which should be answered um, pretty straight away. Like, what is the story mm. in Balamora? <clears throat> I mean, wouldn't you like to know? It doesn't take that fucking long to find out what the story is mm. in Bala fucking Mori. There's six people in that town. And you all know who Did they you are. Know Archie's and you an all know what they do. You're aware of that. It is Castle. So you know what the story is. By the time you finish the opening credits, you know what the story is in Balamore. You just fucking told us who everyone is. And to be fair, the opening credits are about a third of the length of the program. Look. I just, I mean, if we're going to pick genuinely weird programs, revisit any British, Canadian or British-Australian co-production TV drama for kids from the 90s. Revisit any of them. Down by the the River, Round the Twist. Um, There was one, there was one in the 2000s called Paradise Cafe, which was similar. It was on CBBC, actually, around about the time I started there. There was one of them about, I barely remember it, but there was one... And there was a shapeshifting alien who lived with this kid, and in one episode he turned to a pencil and was worried about getting sharpened. Oh my god. I don't know what it was. But just any of those ones where it was basically just a surreal, oh, curious tales god. to teach you a lesson. Like, there's one episode of, I think it's Round the Twist, where like a kid is a, is a dick or something, and is all vain, and then he swallows some apple seed, like he swallows apple pips. And then a tree starts to grow out of him. Oh, God. And obviously he's, like, terrified of what people are going to think. But the way they did it was, like, the prosthetics, it was coming out of his nostrils and his ears. Oh, God. And you're like, this is horrifying. Yeah, that was Like, this is horrifying. And this was on, this was getting repeats on BBC Two on weekday mornings at, like, 7.15. So you just brushed your teeth. And you've gotten dressed, and you're about to have your breakfast, and you're watching this, and this is how you start your day. They don't fucking make kids TV like that anymore. They really don't. We talk about this in the attic of the week. Like, Sergeant Adventures is probably the last sort of drama, like, made for British kids TV that sort of dared to be a bit more adult, and at the same time knew it was for kids and all this stuff. Yeah. Everything's softened now, and everything's shite. Uh, unless the thing I pitched the other week gets picked up, in which case, uh, there's, 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 there's one good thing out there. Hi, everyone. Uh, it probably won't happen. But I'll tell you what will happen. The next question. That's it? Well. That's I, all the emails we've got for today. I guess we're done here. I think you said because we were going to record. <laughs> we were originally going to record tomorrow, but something came up and we had to record tonight. So we're recording tonight, but that's all right because it means that tomorrow we can feed the pterodactyl. Yes, we yes. can. <laughs> it will only be fed on a Wednesday under a full moon. I know um, what we're going to do after we've, we've fed the pterodactyl. Uh, cry? We're going to play X-Men Mutant Academy with these hot new cheats. What do you mean hot new cheats? X-Men, X-Men Mutant Academy came out in Mutant 1990. Academy. Okay, now this is... Well, let's just skip right to the fun part. If you want to unlock no, that's... everything... No one needs to... If you want to unlock 
everything, and I'll run you through what everything is just, in just a moment. But first, if you want to unlock everything and find out what it is for yourself, then at the option screen, press circle, select L1, R1, R2, Beamdamncontact at gmail.com is our email address if you want to get in touch during the week, guys. Here are the Misc Unlockables. Let us know if you're enjoying the new Rick and Morty season. The third costumes graduate the Academy. Keep an eye on the YouTube account. We've got some stuff coming up this weekend. And new Adventures in Backlogging season started with the Red Dead Redemption. For character movie pictures, win 20 rounds for character regular updates from us, Big Damn Cast on Twitter, and the occasional nonsense on Tumblr at Big Damn Blog. We'll, uh, for those intro FMVs, beat the arcade mode <clears> we'll see you, uh, intro we'll see you next week, I guess. complete arcade mode four, that's four times. Wait a second, wait a second, what? Matt, wait a second. Is Spider-Man an unlockable character in this game? This is an X-Men game. Mutant Academy 2, Adam. This is Mutant Academy 1. Ah! You come in here with your first instalments and expect me to be impressed. Do you know what you are? A lovely man. Listen, if if, you, if there was no Mutant Academy 1, there couldn't be a Mutant Academy 2. Kiss me. That's maths! Kiss me! <laughs> <laughs>